Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. So today we're going to talk about something um, called the four thoughts. Uh, it's a motivation practice in Tibetan Buddhism. And the four thoughts, uh, sometimes they're continued four thoughts that turn the mind towards Dharma. Or the four thoughts that turn the mind away from samsara. So this is four thoughts that turn the mind towards enlightenment. Four thoughts that turn the mind away from ignorance. So this is probably personally for me the most important teaching that I've ever received. And if it was up to me, if I thought people would come back, I would teach it almost every Sunday. <laughs> and if you've been around me, you're going to hear this. You've heard this before. I've shared this several times. They say that the teachings, we should hear each teaching at least 100,000 times, at least. Better yet, a million, a billion times. Sometimes the teachers say, even a billion times. I knew a retreatant. She was, she's a lifetime retreatant, so she's just in there for life. But the, the mantra that she's been giving most recently, she has a million recitations. She's, she's doing a million of them. So it really is important to hear teachings over and over again because they say, you know, the teachings have to reach the alaya. It has to reach the sub subconscious mind. Alaya in Buddhism is like, you know, superconscious mind, really, really deep, right? So if we get something just a little bit, you know, in our conscious mind, and then we go about life, we have a lot of competition there. We notice there's a lot of competition for our our beta mind, you know, our fast twitch mind that's here in the present. There's a lot of competition here because we're getting fed information all the time. So all the time, what we really want to remember is being confronted with what am I going to have for lunch and this and that. So it has to be very deep. Whatever we really, really want to inspire us needs to get very, very deep. The deepest that we could go is to have an experiential hit of something. So it actually goes beyond the subconscious, because it goes beyond the mind. It becomes, it becomes a truth, right? a significant truth, that we actually, it'll never go away. It just is. So the four thoughts. So the, the first thought is a precious human life. And what they mean by thoughts is this, these are contemplation and practices. These are things to contemplate. And in practice, we can contemplate these every day for a, a long uh, amount of time or a short amount of time, let's say before you actually start your practice. If you have a daily meditation, you could contemplate these for a few moments. And we want to contemplate them enough to where they actually do sink in experientially. So we really get them. So the first thought is uh, the precious human life, contemplating how precious it is 
to have a human life, to be alive, to exist. So in, in the West, we could say this is kind of like a gratitude practice, right? And, and it's specifically having gratitude for the ability to, to practice and to be exposed to practice. So we could think that we're alive, we're breathing. Very incredible, right? We have healthy bodies and minds, right? So we need a healthy body and mind to practice. We have met the teachings. This is absolutely incredible, that we've met teachings. We have met teachings and teachers that actually know truth and can point the way to truth. There's so many people in the world that have never met the teachings or heard about liberation, freedom, enlightenment, any of those things. So the karma to actually even hear the word enlightenment is so very precious. Right? So we contemplate this. We contemplate that we live in a country, you know, a society that allows us to practice. This is also very amazing. So many people in the world don't get to even practice what they believe in. And look what we have going on today. We have the Pride Parade going on today. I mean, this is what an amazing place that we live in, you know, celebrating, not only accepting diversity and, and all this stuff, but actually openly celebrating it, right? So we live in an amazing place. That we have food and shelter. A lot of people are just trying to survive. Billions of people <clears throat> are simply just trying to survive. Having a spiritual practice is a luxury. It's like a luxury item, you know, in life. Being able to practice, to sit still. Most people are just trying to eat, you know, just trying to clothe themselves, just trying to survive. But we have the luxury of actually practicing, coming here. Look at the free time. It's beautiful that we do this with our free time. That's the other thing, is the motivation I'll get to in a moment, but that we could actually come and sit. Then we have these beautiful, amazing caves to practice in. You know, some of the sages, when they, um, some of the Tibetans, when they moved from Tibet to India, all the caves were filled up. They tried to find all the caves, but there were all the caves were taken. <laughs> you know, this one master said he, he found, he couldn't find any caves, so he just sat under this overhang for two years. That was it. That was his shelter. It was this little, it was a rock overhang. That was as good as he can get, you know. And to have a good cave, it has to have a spring nearby. You have to have a spring nearby to get your water to, for your good cave, right? And then you have to have, you know, someone bring you big, you know, rice or something like this so you can make your food. We have these amazing caves that have, like, refrigeration, <laughs> you know, running water caves. So we could store a lot of stuff, like, in our in freezers and stuff, and we could have long retreats in our caves if we wanted to. Amazing, right? We have these amazing caves to practice in. And then, to have motivation, this is maybe the most amazing, that we're all here 
again in this beautiful city so much to do here we chose to come here come chose to, to listen to the practice chose to sit still so motivation for the practice this is something to be very very grateful for very grateful so we think that maybe I'll be enlightened in three lifetimes. It's always next lifetime, right? Always out here or something, right? But think of all the causes and conditions that have come together for us to practice right now. Think of all of those things. Because all of those things could change at any moment. Because this is the second thought. It's impermanent. So we have all these amazing causes and conditions coming together at once, that we're alive. Amazing. But we're alive in human form, and you know, if, you're, if you believe in like Eastern thought that we could actually incarnate in a lot of different forms, but in the human form we're conscious of consciousness. Not all beings are conscious of consciousness. Right? So this is a very, very precious thing to be born like this. Right? So we have freedom, we have choice, we can practice what we want to practice. Right. So we're alive, we have met the teachings, we have motivation to practice, and for right now we have a healthy enough body and a healthy enough mind to practice. We have an environment to support the practice. Right? We have Sangha to support the practice. We have community. We have all of these things. What else? Like what else are we missing? What else? What else do we need? We have everything. This is it. Right? So it's the awakening to this. It's the gratitude for this. And it's awakening that, wow, this is really an amazing time for me. If we believe in a soul. This is an amazing time for my soul to have all these causes and conditions to ripen right just like this. It's a really amazing. Really amazing. So the second thing to contemplate is impermanence, because now we need urgency, right? And I was reading one of my teachers, Sokni Rinpoche. He's really amazing. He says, I see a lot of people in the West, they practice California Dharma. <laughs> he said, California Dharma is that, you know, it's so widespread and yoga and spirituality and all this stuff, it's a lifestyle. So you practice but it's only like 70% for awakening, and the other 30% is because it's cool, <laughs> and because your friends do it, and because it's social, and it's all those other things. Okay? But it's not 100%. 100% is not about this life. It's about awakening for all future lives. It's about ultimately ultimate awakening. Right? So if we don't have that motivation for ultimate awakening, then our practice is going to sacrifice because we're going to give to this life so much. Right? We're going to actually think that this life is important. And so we're going to have to, we're going to give a lot of energy to that. Right? And of course this life does need energy. We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? That we need to eat, survive, you know, career and all this stuff. But that supports our practice too, right? Because we have our good cave because of those things. Right? But mentally, and in our heart, we have to know where we're headed. Ultimate awakening. Sustainable happiness. Right? So, to do that, we think of something that uplifts everyone. 
which is death and impermanence. <laughs> yeah, we don't really want to think of this truth, right? So, and like everyone's heard me say before and has come before, um, Lama Zopa's great quote that dying people, or I'm sorry, alive people are dying before dying people every day. Alive people are dying before dying people every day. And what he means by that is that somebody is terminally ill today. They are, quote-unquote, dying. They're going to make it through the day. There's somebody that wakes up healthy and alive that's not going to make it through the day today. This is just simple reality. The simple reality is that we do not know how much time we have. Right? We know this. We know that we do not know how much time we have. And this is liberating. I mean, we hear songs about it, right? Live like you're dying. Live like this might be your last day. It's very liberating. I remember when I first started hearing this teaching, I didn't want to do it at all. I had a great aversion to this teaching. And I thought that because I was raised around like law of attraction and stuff, I thought I was going to think myself to death or something, you know? Like, I didn't want to visualize myself dying or am I going to create my reality of that but actually doing it is it's extremely liberating extremely liberating to think of impermanence so not only the the impermanence of body but the impermanence of things that all things are impermanent and this really helps with our attachment which I'm going to get into in a little bit because that's the fourth thought so we think about impermanence, and the reason that we do this is for urgency, right? Because let's say we all know all the knowledge that we need, and we know the techniques and practices to reach enlightenment. Let's say we all know this, but we don't do it, because we're going to do it tomorrow, right? We're going to do it next month, we're going to plan a retreat or something, right? So it actually doesn't matter what we know. It matters our motivation to actually implement and do what we know, right? To actually sit, to actually be with. This is what's most important. Now, if we really think that we have tomorrow, then we're not going to practice today. But if we know really know that we don't know how much time we have, then we're going to practice. And so this leads us to the third thought, which is, what do we practice? So practice isn't, like if I say, you know, oh, you're going to practice, does that mean we need to go, you know, get uh, monks and nuns robes and and dedicate all, all, all our, our whole life to practice. No, it just means waking up in the moment and choosing a wholesome uh, quality over an unwholesome quality. So the third thought is karma. So the third thought is to contemplate karma. And this is just contemplation of cause and effect. So if we plant 
a strawberry, you know, a seed, or we plant a seed of a certain fruit, it's going to bear that fruit. There's no way around it, right? So we cannot plant a seed of one fruit and get another. And so every moment, the practice is to plant seeds that are going to ripen into wholesome qualities. Right? So we know that we have all these amazing conditions to practice. We know that we have urgency. And so each moment, we have the choice to choose wholesome or unwholesome, or you know, healthy or unhealthy thoughts. So we could attach ourselves to wholesome desire for practice, for loving-kindness, for generosity, all of these things. Or we could attach ourselves to uh, earthly desires. And we know these things are impermanent. So this is the choice. It's not you know, to get a robe and you know, meditate 12 hours a day. But it's really these moment-to-moment seeds, these thoughts and desires that we're planting moment-to-moment. So if we want a moment of peace, we have peace now. And now, right? Now. So what brings peace? This is the fourth thought. We have precious human life, impermanence, karma. The fourth thought is dukkha. And this brings it all together. Right? And dukkha is a word that means the basic unsatisfactory nature of material existence. So this is just saying that everything in the material plane doesn't have inherent sustainable happiness within it. Even though we grasp onto it that it does, even though we always put something in between ourselves and happiness, we have where we are, we have happiness, where we have happiness, and then there's always something in the middle. And once we get that something, then we're going to be happy. Right? It's like the time when the, the people came up to Buddha and said, I want to be happy. So he, you know, he crossed out the I, said, throw away the I, throw away the want. What's left? Happy. If we want to be happy you know, at, in a future time, we're happy now. Right? So contemplating this, this, um, this dukkha, so we can contemplate, I call this the rock star syndrome, you know. So we can contemplate people that have it all. They're famous, they're rich, they have everything, they're even, you know, doing something that they love. You think of this, like the rock stars, the famous people or something. Has anyone ever come back and say, yeah, this is it. This is what you want to really do. You know, you want to make all the money, you want to get famous, all this stuff, right? I used to have, like, on MTV, used to have rockumentaries, you know, and VH1 had something like this. And you knew it was, you're in for, like, a really crazy tale of, 
emotional destruction. You know, once you started those things, it's like, oh, it's like it starts off so good. It's like, uh, and then you just know, oh my God, and then it's gonna go go south. And the reason that it does is that when we could have everything and nothing is satisfying, that must be such a surreal experience. You know, look at Justin Bieber. He can't figure it out, right? But he, you know, he said something like, you know, what do you, what happens when you give a teenager two hundred million dollars? You know, I mean, the grasping must be like, I want more and more and more. I want more. You know, is he like drugs or money or sex or whatever? I want more because I'm still not satisfied. And so for us, we all have that something. And so that attachment to that something can keep us away from actually turning in and saying, I have faith that is actually not out there, it's actually in here. So this is the fruition of dukkha. It's not to say that everything is, you know, I'm not going to find happiness. It's just you're not going to find happiness out there. And we have to really allow that to hit home, that really, we're not going to find happiness out there. Nothing, life is never going to come together in this perfect pattern, and everything's going to be perfect. It just doesn't happen. And even if it did, that would be impermanent. It's just not going to happen. But there is sustainable happiness within. Absolutely, happiness can be found. And so the Buddha said simply, samsara is attachment, you know, suffering is attachment to impermanent things. And enlightenment is non-attachment. What we are when we're not craving and not looking for this happiness outside of ourselves, this cessation of attachment, this is bliss. This is bliss. And if we look carefully, it's not even a thing, even when we're, when we're, when we are in this, uh, craving and attachment kind of mode. It's not even the object of our craving that we're looking for. We're looking for the cessation of craving that comes right afterward. So many times it's not even the object that we really want. If you notice, it's that peace that comes when craving stops. When you get it and you're, and you're satisfied, right? It's that moment of being satisfied, right? We are already satisfied. We already have that. All we have to do is not create the craving in the first place. It's an imputed craving. Nothing, nothing outside of ourselves actually has anything of substance. Our mind, you know, creates this. So these are the four thoughts, and how we do this in practice is they're considered an analytical meditation. So an analytical meditation is a type of meditation where you do, you can sit and allow your mind to engage, which is a little bit different. Most meditations you're saying, no mind. <laughs> you know, you're trying to focus and you do not allow your mind to engage. You actually allow your mind to engage, and you can contemplate these because they're truths. So you allow your mind to actually think of these things on every single level 
that it wants to. You know, if it intellectually wants to actually debate these, these, this existence. So you could debate, yeah, do things actually have inherent existence? You, know, you, could, you could actually think about the, these things very deeply in your mind. You could, you could think about impermanence. Has anything that I've ever known stayed the same? Has anything that I've ever know, known stayed the same? So we think about impermanence, right? Countries, like in our lifetimes, countries are actually fall, right? These things that we think that are going to stay forever. You know, look at like the earthquake, for example. You know, I visited Nepal a couple years ago, and these things that have been standing for I don't know how long, they just, you know, now they're gone, crumbled, gone. So we think about impermanence. Think about gratitude. And we contemplate these very deeply, single-pointedly, keep on focus, until you have a feeling of it actually, an actually experiential hit. You actually feel something full body, like every single cell of your body knows this to be true. Let go. At that point, let go of the thinking mind and sit with the knowing. And that becomes your, your object. Of focus, the knowing, this is it. And then when you come back to the practice, you come back a little deeper. Every time you come back, it's a little deeper. And if you practice for a while, then all you need to do is say it real quick in the morning when you wake up. This life is so precious. And all of that starts to come back to you. Everything is impermanent. True. I must practice today. I do not know how much time I have. Right? My wholesome qualities create more wholesome qualities. A happy thought in action now creates another happy thought later. I must practice with ethics, morality, this is karma. And then nothing out there is going to provide me sustainable happiness. Of course, I have to feed myself. I have to make a living. But it's not for sustainable happiness. The most important thing is, is that I find that within. And this is how you start your day, like that. This is right view. You're on course. You know what's important, and that's what's going to lead you through the day. This is like, you know, you'll pull star through the day. It's on track. Okay, so we're going to do a little meditation. So just beginning by thinking of your own precious human life, of your specific world, and what there is to be thankful for. 
So just spend a few moments looking at everything that you have that supports your practice. Allow your heart to be filled with how lucky that you are. Maybe even mentally saying thank you, thank you. Feeling this gratitude. And the next contemplating impermanence. Just contemplating how everything is in flux, shifting and changing. That so much of our life is an unknown. Even your worries and concerns, they're an unknown too.
and allow yourself to feel inspired because you have all these amazing causes and conditions that come together and you have this moment and you know from practicing impermanence that this is the only known is this moment. that you have gratitude and urgency and you, you have now landed in the moment the only time that we have now contemplating cause and effect I want to be happy later in this moment that I have I could be happy now Maybe contemplating the seeds you have planted in your life and seeing how they bear fruit. beautiful contemplations of karma is that we can change that we can produce the result that we wish starting right now Finally, contemplating dukkha, that we are not going to find happiness in material things. These things are transitory, slipping away out of our grasp. Even if we were to get millions of dollars, along with it would be attachment for greed, wanting more, or fear 
fear of losing it. Contemplating that it's not out there. There's no suitcase of happiness. And if it's not out there, then it must be within. So allowing yourself to taste enlightenment now. Allow yourself to taste peace and happiness right now. Maybe just say a, a meta phrase mentally to yourself, a phrase of loving kindness. I be happy. May I be joyful. myself just the way that I am. Feel into the heart of these well wishes, the heart of this intention for your own happiness. All of us, all of us in this room, all living creatures are just trying to suffer less and find more happiness. All of us are looking for love, approval, and appreciation. Just extending these well wishes outward. May all beings be happy. 
all beings find joy and peace. May all beings feel loved and cared for. Just checking in to your own heart and your presence. See if you've generated any peace, calmness, and joy. Noticing the power of looking within. Feeling kindness. just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.